Hi, my name's Cody. I'm the owner of Bear Claw Creative, and this is Bear Talks. Today, we're going to be talking about influencer marketing, and we're going to be talking about both the science behind it, my experiences, and other ideas and thoughts behind it that your company can actually put in place and put into action today. So the thoughts and the reasoning behind influencer marketing is no different than consumer um, or celebrity endorsements. In celebrity endorsements, you know, they have a following, a group of individuals that like this individual and are, they have a potential of being your new clients or your new customers. But usually only big brands have the opportunity to really f utilize a celebrity endorsement. In fact, most celebrities, including professional athletes, are relatively expensive. Uh, the more fame, the more exposure that you have as far as potential exposure, the increase in, say, in the cost of the individual. It's the exact same thing that happens in influencer marketing, but the cost is dramatically different in comparison. So when we're talking about influencer marketing, we're specifically looking at the psychology and, um, behind it and the reasoning behind it. So in marketing, it's called the rule of seven. In psychology, it's actually called mere exposure effect. Consistently exposing an individual repeatedly to the same thing shows the subconscious of the individual that the product or the item that you're putting in front of them is not a dangerous item. They have psychologists have been able to cure um, phobias and things like that through mere exposure by consistently showing the same thing while at the same time still doing additional work outside of just exposure to an item um, or to a phobia. But the great thing about the mere exposure effect is that your subconscious is telling your conscious that the I person or the company is a non-threatening person or company. This is great. We don't want to perceive uh, or have our companies be perceived as threatening. They want, you want your customer to feel safe. Um, that's one of the reasons that people go to and watch reboots or that reboots are even made as movies or that nostalgia is such a big thing. It's we want to have some sort of familiarity. It keeps us, it makes us feel safe in a primal instinctual way. We're actually saying, I'm not going to die by doing this thing. In the rule of seven, we're doing the same thing. We're creating familiarity. What influencer marketing does is a little bit different. It's taking individuals that already have the familiarity with the other person on the opposite side of the screen. And it's telling them, I back this company. It's taking the psychology behind this, the mere exposure, and taking this individual who's already proven to its followers or to their followers that they are not threatening that they are, you know, familiar. 
And the followers then have a chemical connection to this individual inside the brain. The brain is firing and it's releasing um, serotonin every time they see the face in the same way that you would see serotonin released when you see a familiar face of a friend or a family member. The brain is firing and releasing chemicals that say, this is a good situation. I know this individual. They are safe. Your subconscious is saying that to your consciousness. I, we know this individual. They are safe. We can trust in this person. And influencers garner trust by creating consistent content. What you're doing as a company is attempting to say, person who agrees with this influencer, my product or service is a great option for you. This influencer has said that my product or service is great for you. The psychology behind it makes so much sense when you're talking about marketing, when you're talking about why people are so drawn to influencers. Um, all of this, you know, makes sense. There's the other side of influencers, which is the unfortunate side, which is a chemical desire to um, basically create offspring with the individual. That's where beauty influencers kind of mess things up. So when you're creating a influencer campaign, you want to really look at the individual or you know, group, if they are a group. And you want to look at the actual comments and connections that they're having with their audience. This is one thing that I think um, a lot of businesses miss or don't quite understand, that not every single person who has 100,000 followers or 200,000 followers on social media is necessarily a good influencer to have back your brand. In fact, it's been proven over and over again that that's a failure technique. That's a failing technique is to just look at the number of followers that the individual has. You want to look at the comments that they have. You want to hear stories from the individual. What are some? Who are some of your favorite followers that you've talked to recently? What are some of the things that you get on a regular basis when you interact with them? Have you done this sort of connection before? Have you done this sort of advertisement before with a different company? What did that look like? What did people have to say in, that were following you? What did you receive an increase in followers or a decrease in followers? Did they receive an increase or decrease in followers? Understanding this information is more important than just seeing a follow count. The unfortunate thing is a lot of marketers just look at numbers. They want to look at the follow count and justify the potential reach of working with this influencer is this because their follow count is this. But in reality, you know, they could have purchased those, those followers. They could have done something to, you know, that's not necessarily clean or proper to gain these followers. You, I mean, they even could just be attached to someone who has a larger account. That's another thing that happens consistently 
is you get shared on a larger account. So you, let's say an influencer who has 100,000 followers is just just happens to be a close friend of someone who has a million followers. The reason that they have their following in any way is because they regularly get followers from this other group. If you don't look at and understand this dynamic, then running an advertisement with this individual may not pay out. All I'm saying is just be careful. Um, it, it doesn't make sense to just jump at or try to get anybody who just is a big, you know, following. You need to look at what is the individual actually getting in the comment section? What are they actually getting? Um, what, what sort of actual conversations are they having with the people that follow them? That's way more important than just the amount of followers. So we're trying to hack the mere exposure effect here by creating an influencer marketing or by doing influencer marketing, you're trying to hack the mere exposure effect. You're trying to shorten the rule of seven if you're talking about marketing. You're trying to find someone who has already gained trust and you're trying to place yourself in this relationship. You're trying to gain awareness and purchases based off of someone else's trust. So that's why understanding, you know, looking at the comment section, understanding their, the influencer's relationship with the audience matters a lot more than just follow account. Um, the other thing that is really, really interesting is the increase. Now, in 2016, influencer marketing and basically the ad spend that had to do with influencer marketing was somewhere between about $600 million. Um, but in 2020, we have estimates of up to $10 billion being spent on influencer marketing in the US. That means $10 billion of ad money was spent to do influencer marketing in 2020, which is insane. The jump that happened in just four years but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be successful. Um, that's one major issue and one major flaw with influencer marketing is that there's no guarantees. You're guessing. Um, and, and it's just, you're not sure if it's going to work or not. What you can do to mitigate risk is to understand, again, I'm just going to repeat what I just said, understand the interaction, what the audience actually is interacting with the individual. That matters a lot. Um, so I've worked with both individuals who have said, I love working with influencers, it works really well, and I have worked with people who have said, I hate this. Um, there's a company that we were, I was uh, speaking to about coming on as a client who was saying that they had previously worked with a girl who um, she was doing influencer uh, marketing with them. She had a good following. They were willing to give her a free you know, product, which their products 
I mean, their product cost is like five, 10 bucks. Um, so it's not really that big of a deal, but still they were giving her, you know, a five or $10, um, beverage is what the company was. They were still giving her a five or $10 beverage or, you know, collection of beverages. And she was making, uh, food with the beverage. Now, when the individuals came back after the whole engagement was over, she then started asking, well, I'd love for you to sponsor a post or I'd love for you to, you know, pay for a post and I'd be willing to do that. And his response was, how could you ask me to pay you? You were just doing this for free. So this is a no-no. <laughs> Don't do that. If you are trying to get influencers to post on your behalf, expect for them to ask for something in return. The years of just doing things for free because you like the company have kind of started to move away from us, especially if you're talking about macro influencers, people who have garnered a lot of followers or mega influencers. Mega influencers, anyone over the million follow mark that regularly produce content and regularly see over a million other views, half a million likes, you know, 100,000 likes on a post or, or something like that, something with a very large number attached to it. These people are always going to be asking for more than $10,000. Just expect that if you are trying to get in contact with anyone who has broken the million follower mark, expect for them to ask for over over $10,000 per post is not cheap. But even smaller influencers understand that companies have money to pay them. Now, in my experience, I have been able to get away with posts for products. Um, so we exchange products in exchange for posts. I have seen and done payments on on different ads and different promotions that we've done um, with other companies. But the main thing that has really worked for me is just reaching out to the influencer. So one thing that's really, really powerful in influencer marketing is the fact that these are individuals. These are people that are just, you know, the idea here is that they're just like you and me. Part of the appeal of influencer marketing versus celebrity endorsement is that the celebrity feels like a person that is an unobtainable or an untouchable individual, a person, you know, far beyond a normal person's reach, whereas an influencer has a different feeling. They are more personal, more realistic, more uh, obtainable, more tangible. They are just, they feel like normal people. That's one of the beauties of working with influencers. One of the, you know, it's one of the perks. But working with a company that does influencer marketing, that specifically owns influencers, yes, this is a real thing. There are companies that go out and they have young influencers, so people who are new in the process, sign contracts that say for the next two, three, five years, they're going to get them promotions. They're going to get them money. 
and they will take a, a chunk of that money. And what I've seen happen consistently, um, happen, it happened on YouTube, it's happened on TikTok, it's happened on Instagram. Um, people who are on the rise get a conversation started with these companies. The company then has them sign a contract. They'll send them two or three products to do a product review. They'll take the money from the company. They'll take and they'll take their cut, they'll hand it to the individual, and then they'll just let them sit and figure out if they're going to grow big or not. And then the individual can't take other promotions without getting this company involved. It's kind of skeezy, um, but it, it happens and you may run into this. If you decide to do influencer marketing, you may run into the situation where you're talking with an influencer and they actually have a company that represents them. These groups that usually represent them are not always the most professional. Um, and they're definitely not companies that I've enjoyed working with. Uh, we have, I mean, I have worked with and paid for um, influencer marketing through one of these channels. What happened during that is we actually ended up getting blasted across a bunch of micro-influencers that were so small it didn't even make sense. I mean, we, you know, they, the company that we went with, they had said we this was when I was working in-house, they had said that we have influencers that are over the 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. We have, our largest influencer is at a million um, followers. So that sounds great. And then we ended up paying them, I think it was like $4,000. I think it was three thousand. No, it was it was two thousand dollars for our our ad for our, our influencer ad to run. And what we ended up seeing was four, probably about four or five different individuals that were over the ten thousand follower mark. Um, we did not get to vet these individuals, so we had no clue, you know, how did they gain their following? Are they connected with their audience? Anything like that. Um, so that was a miss on our part. I mean, this was obviously a, a couple years ago for me, but that was a miss on our part. Um, I don't know why we went with this company. The other issue that we ran into was that they had a lot of basically non-influencers, people that were at 100 followers um, and or or below. The lowest we saw, I think, was a 56 follower. So they had 56 people following them. Um, we paid the same for the individuals that were at the lower end as the people that were at the higher end. So we got less exposure for more cost. <laughs> Just, it sucked. Um, and the graph was a really big hockey stick, basically, of um, big follower, and then boom, we dropped down, and then it's like all these 
tiny itty bitty followers and I'm like, see, it was successful. You had a lot of people like these posts and stuff. And I was like, it didn't do anything for us. We ended up losing money on that. We ended up losing, I think we ended up losing like $1,200 on that. Um, so that was just a bad situation. I didn't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, I would not suggest doing it that way. Um, if you're hiring a marketing company that does influencer marketing, ask them how they do it because working with companies like that where they purchase the, in, basically they have the influencer sign on a contract and they own all um, advertisements that run through them. It's just, it was a bad situation. For me, that did not work out. Now, the flip side of this is you can reach out in person as a company to any individual, um, which is great. And that worked really well for me. So we had run a influencer marketing campaign specifically doing products for posts. Um, we ended up with 10 different individuals who ranged anywhere from 10,000 up. Um, the largest we had was at 140,000 140, followers on Instagram. And we ended up going up over 500 followers. We ended up with about two to $3,000 in profits, direct revenue profits from this one influencer event. And I mean, we also saw, I mean, we saw a great increase in, in follow activity. So people that currently followed us, they were not commenting near as much, but as soon as we started running this advertisement, it was interesting. They started communicating with us more, um, especially because the influencers that we picked all wanted to interact with and became part of the audience that comments in our on our posts and they pushed back uh, new new people to us constantly. Um, one girl actually agreed to put us in her bio, which we received followers from her consistently. Um, all of this is great, and we exchanged uh, payment on basic products. So the products that we were giving out, though, were over $100 products um, if you had to purchase them from our website. So the value here was not necessarily that we were paying them. The value was that they were getting products for free. This does not always work, especially if you have a lower priced item. The fact that we were sending out, you know, 60 to $100 items or one package was a, I think it was like $360 worth of stuff um, to one person. So obviously she was very happy that we were sending her stuff, but smaller items probably gonna get someone who said, yeah, I'll ask you, you know, can you pay me for this advertisement? Can you pay me for this post? It's normal, I expect it. Um, if you are a company and you're listening to this, please expect to be asked to give something in some way if you're having someone, an influencer post for you. It just is going to happen. 
Um, now we ended up getting about, we had 10 individuals. Uh, each individual was required to post at least twice um, on our behalf. And we did ask for additional stories on top of that. Um, the two stories uh, that they posted for Instagram, since these were in Instagram influencers, um, they did okay. The two posts that we all that they did did really well. Um, what we actually ended up seeing was the individuals just started posting and tagging us anyways, um, even if they we didn't actually, you know, pay them or give them anything uh, again. So we did our initial, here's some products, would you do some posts for us? Then we ended up getting, on average, we ended up getting about four posts per person, um, which was awesome because we originally had just requested two posts and two stories. Um, we ended up uh, I think actually our average was about three per post, but three per person, three out of 10 people, you know, three posts for 10 people. I mean, that's like 30 posts, um, all for, I believe the whole cost, the whole thing was like, not much. I think it was like $250. So, I mean, I, I do that all day, right? 25, get $2,000 in revenue and then 25 Hundred dollars is all you had to spend. Two hundred, I mean, two hundred fifty. Gosh, two thousand dollars in revenue, two hundred fifty dollars in spend. Um, but the retail value of the products were a lot higher than what we were spending. But cost-wise, for us, it was lower. So, if you're going to run influencer marketing. That's one of the ways that you can actually uh, pay the individual. You can give them a product. You can give them free access to a service. Um, you can run an affiliate link, or you can pay per post. If you are running influencer marketing, expect any of these. You might expect all of these. There might be a situation where an influencer, especially larger ones that know what they're doing and have had these sort of brand deals happen before, they know that um, they can ask for money. They know about the amount of money that they can ask for. They know that they can ask for products and money, and they can ask for affiliate links. So one company that does affiliate links that um, also does the payment is uh, Squarespace. Squarespace actually runs influencer marketing like crazy on YouTube. And they also have affiliate-based marketing um, kickbacks for the influencers. So if someone signs up for Squarespace, the influencer will get paid not only for running the advertisement, but they also get paid for any signups that they get. Um, so in the the affiliate you know they get the affiliate kickback for any purchases basically which is not uncommon for influencers to ask for that um it's happening more and more every single day honestly when it comes to affiliate marketing you're seeing more and more companies get asked will you give me an affiliate payment 
in addition to payment for posts, um, as well as product. I have had an influencer, I've seen an influencer ask for all three things, um, which depending on your brand, it may be a good thing. It may be um, this influencer's high value, they have the exact audience that you're targeting and they have the exact trust from their audience and they have proof, especially if they have proof. <laughs> if they have proof and they're asking for all three things, product, affiliate, and payment per post, they probably know what they're doing or they have really, really good results previously. So that's... That was my experience in influencer marketing. Um, me and my wife, we run a coffee shop as well, or not a coffee, a coffee page uh, here locally in Kansas City. And we get requests for um, for us to come to a coffee shop. We'll give 10% off and stuff like that. That's pretty common. Uh, I see a lot of people do that. Uh, yes, this is a good idea if you're asking, but please don't be surprised if someone asks you to pay them um, because some people are trying to make money on this. Some other statistics that I'd love to talk about real quick um, is one that in 2020, I mean, I've already said this, we're looking at like, now in 2021, we're expecting over a $10 billion, uh, influence marketing be a $10 billion industry over $10 billion spent on ad spend for influencer marketing. Um, also, in 2018, a study was done asking marketers if they've done influencer marketing before. 86% uh, of them said that they've done it, and 92% of them said it was effective. And the reason is because of this mere exposure effect. You're asking people who have already gained trust with a group to back your brand. Now, if you are a small business, micro-influencers might be the way you want to go. Now, I know I talked about before how we had previously been, how I had previously worked with a company that put all of our um, influencer products, um, the influencer advertisements we were running, got put on a lot of very, very small individuals. Micro-influencers for small businesses are super important because micro-influencers will usually do things for free because it makes them feel special, because the company or customer, um, because the, the person behind the account uh, doesn't have a big head, doesn't have any connections with a marketing uh, firm or a influencer management firm. They usually are just, you know, local, but they have a very good footprint in local marketing. Um, people that are following them are most likely locals. So if you're running influencer advertisements for a small business, or if you'd like to run a influencer advertisement for your small business, look at micro-influencers, looking at under the 1,000-person mark, under 10,000 most likely. Anybody who has reached over the 10,000, you ex just expect them to ask for either something for free or they're going to ask to be paid in some way. 
So though that's everything that I wanted to talk about, about influencers and influencer marketing. Um, those are my experiences. Those are basically the the way that I've come become accustomed to influencer marketing and the way that I understand it as, as of right now. Um, this is a great opportunity for all businesses. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are a SaaS company. It doesn't matter if e-commerce. It doesn't matter if you are selling oranges on the side of the road. Whatever it is, influencer marketing is a huge opportunity for every single company. And being able to connect with influencers is a lot easier nowadays, especially if you can get past a influencer management firm. Influencer management firms, in my opinion and my experience, were not great. If you can get direct to the individual, you have a lot better chance of one, them promoting your product or service, and two, doing it where you both come to an agreement. The one thing that I want to to clarify and specify and make 100% clear is that if you are going to start influencer marketing, expect the individual to want creative freedom. This is one thing that I have heard from my previous manager that just I was so confused as to why she said this. Um, basically, what she had done at her previous job, um, at my previous manager, they had talked to influencers, they told them the exact script that they wanted them to read, and they told them the exact type of content that they were allowed to make. The limiting factors that you put on top of this make it less appealing. So don't be surprised if people start asking for more money if you start limiting the creative freedoms that the individual has. If you're saying you can only do it this way, then the chances of them asking for either more money or just saying straight up, no, I'm not doing it, are really, really high. So that's something that I learned from uh, White Hearth Coffee. If you have not listened to that episode, that is actually Bear Talks episode one. Um, you can listen to it on Spotify or wherever. Um, that is, but honestly, if you have not listened to that, that's a great learning opportunity for both me um, as well as you. I mean, to learn the thoughts and basically the thoughts that go inside that run inside the influencer's head when you actually approach them. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Cody. I'm the owner of Bear Claw Creative. If you have any needs for in digital marketing, um, if you need a digital marketing company, you can visit us at bearclawcreative.com. We do amazing work on both social media for advertisements, social media organic posting, um, posting for, for you and taking over the management of that, as well as we've done influencer marketing, email marketing, um, affiliate marketing, all kinds of different forms of digital marketing, including AdWords, SEO improvements, and we can actually do quite a few different things in branding, in advertisements, and all kinds of different forms of marketing. 
So if you have any need whatsoever, visit us at bearclawcreative.com, fill out our contact form, or you can contact me, Cody, at bearclawcreative.com. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one.